Hi, this is Eugene of ValleyIndy.org. Before the podcast, I just wanted to read an important message. COVID-19 has changed life as we know it, and the Valley needs your help now more than ever. The region's health and human service providers face unprecedented challenges in meeting the needs of those affected by this pandemic. Some organizations are even at risk of closing their doors. But you can make a difference right here in our community by joining with others in one of these three ways. Give directly to Valley nonprofits, participate in the Valley United Way's annual campaign, or support the Valley Community COVID-19 Response and Recovery Fund. Please visit valleyfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you. We brought you the news. Printed the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives. Post literation, critical reading, dumb down nation signs have been breeding. TV sucking ideas from our hands. Hey everybody, welcome to Naval Gazing the Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of valleyindie.org. I haven't done one of these uh, podcasts in a couple of months, so I'm a little rusty. I apologize in advance. We've already been plagued by technical problems all of my doing, but I am very excited to welcome to the podcast Becca Toms. Uh, she is the communication specialist with the Valley United Way. Hello, Becca. Hello, hello. Sorry, I had myself on mute because of the weed whacking in the background. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's all right. You know what? With coronavirus and everything else going on uh, in the country and world today, uh, if we're going to have a little background noise, I'm sure people can put up with it. All right, listeners, that's it. You got to deal with it. And then making a return appearance to this podcast, in a way, is Corey Thomas. He is the education director of Masaro Community Farm, which is right on the Woodbridge and Sonia line. Hey, Corey, how are you? Hey there. Good. Thanks for having us. No, thank you so much for coming on, uh, both of you, and thank you for your patience in working around uh, my schedule. So we're going to be talking today about community gardens, which have popped up all over the valley uh, and and why they're needed and, and how people can help. And I guess, where did, uh, Becca, should we start with you about sort of the background on these community farms, uh, how they sprung up and what the need is? Because I'm not sure if people understand, or perhaps they do now because of the economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, how food insecurity in the Valley is a real issue. Uh, and it's been described at length by the Valley United Way uh, including a report issued a couple of years ago called the Alice Report. So, Becca, why are these gardens needed and how did the idea come about? Yeah, so um, these gardens were actually the brainchild of Jack Walsh initially. Uh, so back when he was the president of United Way, um, he started kind of hearing about these issues with food security and knowing that gardens were something that would not just 
make a community more beautiful, but also provide for the needs of the community. Uh, he was trying to look into different ways of uh, incorporating these into our neighborhoods. And then when Sharon Gibson uh, came along as our president after Jack left, she was very excited about the project and just threw herself into it. Um, was able to get some really great funding from some wonderful community organizations and was able to really expand the program and provide um, resources to get these gardens built and planted and um, yeah and kind of spread out throughout the valley in the areas that really need them the most. So uh, with these gardens we really try to locate them in communities that could use fresh local produce. Um, as you probably know, it's not always easy to get your hands on really good fresh produce. Mm. I mean, we're definitely lucky that we have grocery stores that um, are usually pretty well stocked with all sorts of stuff, but that's vegetables that are coming from all over the globe. And basically what happens when you pick a vegetable and Corey can speak more to this. Um, it starts losing the nutrients that are in it as soon as it's picked. So you can imagine there are, um, tons of, of nutrients in like a beet freshly picked from the, the ground. But when it's then stored for like a day or two in some far region of the country or maybe other, part of the world and then it has to take a flight and then it has to be put in um you know a distribution area and then it goes to the grocery store and then it's only put out when their stock is low you've lost a lot of nutrients in that entire process um mm. so really the best way to get the most nutrient dense uh food to individuals is to have that garden right there in front of them and how many uh, because, gardens? How many gardens are in the valley at this point? So there's 13. Uh, we have one in Oxford. I'm gonna go backwards in my mind because it's just easier that way. <laughs> one in Oxford, um, two in Seymour, and then I believe we have four in Derby, uh, five in Ansonia, one in Shelton. Is that, did I get them all, Corey? I think you did, yes. Okay, and then Corey. I don't think left anyone out. Corey, how did the farm, how did uh, Masaro Community Farm get involved in these uh, community gardens? Yeah, so um, as you can imagine, uh, community gardens, it can take a lot of um, effort to really work to integrate those into the community. Um, it's one thing to obviously take a ton of effort to establish the gardens, put up fencing, put in the raised beds, get the soil delivered. Um, but then it's um, really the, the start of the season, especially takes a lot of work to make sure that you have seedlings to go in the garden and you have volunteers that are interested in coming and helping out at the sites. Um, so Masaro jumped in to help out with some of that administrative um, as well as sort of boots on the ground assistance. So um, thankfully I was able to reach out to a lot of volunteers, um, many of them returning thanks to Valiant Way and the work they uh, put in the past couple of years of kind of gathering folks that were interested um, as well as putting out the call for new volunteers who were interested in helping out. Um, 
And then thankfully, uh, because we are a certified organic farm um, already serving the community, especially um, with sort of renewed vigor due to the food insecurity issues with COVID-19, um, we had a lot of seedlings available thanks to um, our farm manager, Steve. Um, so we were able to get a lot of seedlings, bring them to the sites, get them planted along with volunteers. Um, at that point, it's about sort of maintaining um, the gardens and making sure the volunteers are supported um, in what they're doing at the sites. Um, and so that's where Masaro has kind of been jumping in. And as the season goes on, we'll be working more to uh, make sure the produce that is grown in these gardens is either used immediately in the local community or donated to, you know, food pantries or food banks in the immediate area as well. Trying to keep that produce um, really just like hyper local in a way. And then how do people in, in a given neighborhood find out about the garden? Uh, how does a, a, a member of the public get involved? Let's say uh, I've lost my job and I'm looking for something like this. Uh, how do I sign up? And any information as to how many people have been helped uh, so far by this program? Um, well, I, I can definitely speak to the volunteer engagement. Perhaps Becca could then speak to um, the previous impact um, of the program. Um, so thankfully, Valiant Ways um, has some really handy-dandy signage um, at all of these sites that explain what the garden site is and who it's for and how it's supposed to be used. So even folks just walking by can get a sense of what the space is and what the intention is. Um, if there are folks that are interested in getting involved with the gardens, they can email me directly. My email is education at masarofarm.org. Um, at that point, I can sort of hear more about what they're interested in, um, what their availability is, and even just where they're living because we, we have gardens in many of the valley neighborhoods, so there might be a garden, you know, that's right down the street from them. Um, and uh, just to your point about sort of the different people who've had to get involved, um, we have had people reach out to us who have lost their jobs. Um, we have folks that live right next door and are looking to grow some food. Um, we even have some folks that are in master gardener programs who originally were looking into more things like ornamental plants or nursery production, but now um, with the changing landscape of food availability um, and sort of the changes we've seen to our food system, I think that a lot of these folks are sort of pivoting towards being more interested in foods, food uh, insecurity in the area. So it's great to have sort of uh, a lot of diversity in the folks that are getting involved with the community gardens. And then Becca, in terms of how many people have actually benefited, people that are actually getting their food from, from these gardens, uh, do you have any statistics and, and numbers on how many families you're helping? Sure. Uh, well, it's, it's, to be honest, it's a little bit hard to track. Um, and that's because the gardens are meant to be owned by the community and um, they're open at all times. So we don't necessarily um, like keep a video tab on and the garden to say who's coming in and out. Um, so, you know, it, who knows? It could be hundreds, but um, I do know that in regards to poundage, we've definitely, I would say, done over 2,000 pounds of food in the last couple of years, just uh, as a rough estimate with the amount of tomatoes and greens and peppers and cucumbers that um, even I helped harvest last year um, and brought to some food banks, gave out to neighbors. So it's, um, we may not always have firm figures of how many specific people uh, are being helped by this, but, you know, every single time I go out to one of the gardens, 
there's always someone new that I'm engaging. Uh, there's always someone new that I'm talking to that's like, hey, what's what's going on here? And um, that's another potential person that's gaining from these gardens. Um, and I think that they usually do. You know, I come back to the gardens and I see these people again. And we talk more about what's going on and, and um, it continues to grow. And then in terms of food security in general in the Valley, what are you hearing uh, you, with this with COVID-19? I personally feel locally I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of the economic impact of what's happening. I'm not sure if it's if it's here yet or if it's coming. I was talking to someone last week and they talked about how we might have a serious issue coming soon with housing as rents yeah. become due. People have had a few months to uh, uh, not pay, but that, that they're going to have to pay uh, yeah. very soon. So what is your sense in the community in terms of uh, food insecurity as it relates to COVID-19? Well, um, I think you're right. The, the other shoe has not yet dropped. Um, and that's because there are still a lot of government programs and support that are out there that are helping people that are kind of just making it by. Um, so I think that we are going to see an increase in need, especially because in some of our communities in the Valley, um, the people in these communities fit exactly that ALICE uh, profile that you mentioned earlier. And mm. for those that don't know, ALICE stands for um, Asset Limited Income Constrained Employed Individuals. So these are people that are working, um, but they can't afford their basic needs based on their salaries. So those are also the first people to usually lose their jobs in um, a job crisis sort of situation. So they may be scrambling and finding work here and there, but uh, there's been quite a bit of job loss in our community. And once those government um, policies kind of come to an end and are dwindling out, we're gonna see an increase in people that are looking for support um, you know, not just with food, but also with housing, with electric bills and things like that. So anything that we can do to alleviate one of these areas that they're going to be struggling with um, and starting right now can really make it make a difference. And Corey, have you had more people from, say, Ansonia, Derby, Seymour, wherever the, the lower valley, uh, that's where our listener base is, have they been reaching out to the farm in any way? Are they more curious? One thing that we did a story on a couple of months ago uh, showing that more and more people were going to uh, farms in Shelton uh, for chickens and whatnot because they didn't want to venture out to the supermarket because of uh, a rightly a fear of the pandemic, uh, and me included. Have you had more people uh, coming to Masaro to inquire about what it's about? So I do know we've had a huge increase in the interest overall of getting produce from the farm. Um, and so our response to COVID has kind of been, we did increase our, our CSA shares. So for your listeners who may not know, CSA stands for Community Supportive Agriculture. So it's a program where folks come to the farm once a week and pick up a share or, you know, a, a, a box, a bag full of um, vegetables each week. And so they pay up in advance and they come throughout the season to the farm. Um, we have had a big increase in folks who are signed up for that. So we kind of adjusted our capacity to meet that need. 
Um, in addition, we've opened up a, we, we did have a, a store running each week where folks can place orders. And we actually worked with local farms to sort of diversify the options that we had available for for folks to pick up from the farm. So, you know, we had vegetables available, then we were working with other farms to have mushrooms available or dairy products, things like that. Um, and the interest has been huge. Um, I don't have any data on town specific, but it is pretty diverse. We do get folks from a variety of neighboring towns. Um, and and exa- you're exactly right. These are folks that want to avoid going to the grocery store, um, want to avoid sort of those public outings. Or also, you know, there may be things that are starting to be limited um, in grocery stores. So this is a way for folks to not only support their local farm and kind of keep their money local, um, but, but also uh, kind of pick up their, their food in a little bit more of a safer way by coming to the farm rather than a grocery store. And I've, I've been personally amazed at the difference in taste to go back to what Becca had said at the beginning mm-hmm. of this podcast. It's night and day. Uh, you know, I'm basically, I live on beer and pizza. So, uh, <laughs> but I have been expanding, you know, trying to get a little healthier in my old age, but the, the, the taste is just, it's so uh, uh, worth it. Uh, so we've been talking for about 16 minutes now. I just want to, Becca, let's start with you, if you would. Uh, I mean, you're the communications specialist. Uh, I think sometimes in these podcasts, I, I, I sort of run them into the ground with answering questions. <laughs> but what do you, uh, here's your chance to sort of address the public. What, what do you want to uh, say about these community gardens or what do you want to stress or perhaps there's help that's needed? Whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, well, what I really want to stress is, you know, definitely use these gardens for food. (laughs) Um, we want people to be involved in these gardens. So even if you're not someone who feels very comfortable actually doing the work of maintaining the garden, we still welcome you to just come and sit and enjoy the gardens because one of the things that is, often necessary during this time of COVID related stress is a time for um, giving yourself a mental health break. Um, So we try to create these gardens to be a little bit of an oasis so that you're not just getting food to feed your belly, but also something to feed your soul too. Um, So I really encourage uh, community members to go out and check out these gardens. And even if you know, you can't necessarily participate in maintaining and just enjoy the space. Um, and, you know, if you do need the food, go ahead and, and pick it. There's signs uh, in the gardens that show you how to harvest and use the produce. Um, so I know sometimes harvesting things like kale can be confusing. So uh, just read those signs and look at those guidelines and, yeah, enjoy the gardens because they are for community. I live in Derby and you use the word oasis and I'm struck every time I drive by or walk by one of these community gardens, just how beautiful they are. It it is a place where you just want to hang out, especially like you said, with everything that's going on for a a mental health uh, break. So it's very well said. Uh, And then Corey, now is your time to shine. What have I not asked you as a guy who knows nothing about farming, agriculture, or community gardens? What should I know? What do you want to tell the public? Yeah. Um, well, I think just from the 30,000 feet view, I mean, the, the whole reason I got involved in this sort of career is because I, I find that education is the path to um, helping our food system. And what a great way to educate um, or, or help uh, 
folks understand more about where their food comes from than having a community garden right in their neighborhood. Um, and so I look at these gardens as an amazing opportunity for um, folks to learn more about growing their own food, um, learn more about the environment and sort of where your food is coming from. Um, so, I mean, Becca really touched on a ton of great points about sort of the access to the green space and how that can be really limited in certain um, communities. So that's always a great um, resource for folks, but also it's an amazing educational opportunity. Um, and I love the opportunity to share that um, with other folks. Even just today, I was at a site showing a, a new volunteer, you know, what some of the common pests were in the garden and, and what we were growing where. And there just happened to be a construction crew that was working nearby and I ended up talking with them about the garden site. Um, so I think it's a great way for the community to, um, for community members to connect with each other. Um, especially in an outdoor space where you can do so uh, safely mm. considering the current circumstances. Um, and it's just amazing to sort of have this opportunity to, you know, have a green space, make an educational opportunity, have this access to fresh produce um, and do so while kind of uh, really helping the environment by keeping the food more local. Um, so it's this very multifaceted way to help your community. Um, so I really encourage folks to uh, reach out to us if they're interested in getting involved. And I think perhaps the last point, if uh, neither of you have anything further is, where can I go on the web to sort of, where is my entry point to learn more information about community gardens in the lower Naugatuck Valley? Sure. So um, we have on our website, valleyunitedway.org. Uh, if you go under need help uh, in our menu bar up top, you can scroll down to grow your own. And that has information on all the different sites throughout the region. Or you can just type in valleyunitedway.org slash grow dash your dash own slash. And that'll bring you straight to the page as well. Uh, we're also doing updates every once in a while on social media through Facebook. So people can uh, like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll be sharing information about the progress of the gardens there too. Yeah. And Becca, are you, are you the person responsible for all like the, the, the graphic, I guess, memes that are, that are coming out locally? <laughs> Is that you for the United Way doing that? Yeah, yeah, I'm in charge of all the social media. Yeah, I am so jealous. Yeah, you, you really do a great job because I'm drawn into everyone. I try to retweet them. I'm like, wow, I wish I had that uh, that ability. But yeah, and you're doing, I mean, the, the information is great too. It's, it's uh, there's just so much that uh, you're packing into those images. I, I really appreciate it as someone who lives here. So thank you for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And um, definitely let, let us know as well if there's other information that you want us to be sharing that you guys as a community want to hear from the United Way to help you understand the, the world around us uh, in our communities and, and what needs to be heard. And then, Corey, how do I get more information about the farm? Um, absolutely. Well, you can head to our website, uh, masarofarm.org, to get more information um, about all the things we have coming up. If you're interested in the community gardens um, specifically, as I mentioned before, folks can send me an email directly, um, and that is education at masarofarm.org. Um, in terms of other happenings, the farm, we are adapting to sort of still offer programming. Um, in the age of COVID, we have uh, lots of virtual programming available. Um, we also have a virtual summer camp program um, for children that's starting up later on this month. Um, so there's more information about that on our website as well. Um, so yeah, all the information on the website and then uh, you got my email as well for those things. 
Okay, I want to thank you both so very much for for coming on and for having patience uh, dealing with my technical problems uh, to get this going. But I really do appreciate it. We appreciate you, Eugene, and all that you do for our Valley community and getting the good word out there about all the things that are going on. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're, great. you're very, very welcome. So on behalf of Becca and Corey, this is Eugene Driscoll saying see you next time on whatever this is called, Naval Gazing, the Valley Indie Podcast. For hundreds of years we've brought you the news. For the info we gave you the clues. We're always sky high Changing market now threatens our lives Post-literation, critical reading Dumbed down nation, signs of inbreeding TV sucking, ideas from our head Public discourse, just about dead We'll ride the dinosaur Yeah, ride the dinosaur Our readers are in the